listening to The Motherhood Experience, a podcast where you are a part of the conversation with moms, for moms, and by moms. Let's jump into this episode with me, your host, Val Kleppen. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Motherhood Experience podcast. I am your host, Val Kleppen, and today's guest, Sarah Rogmus. Her story is incredible, amazing, heart-wrenching, encouraging. It's all of the things. I worked with Sarah's husband, Jack, when I was in my corporate world work days. He was the IT guy, was in my office a lot. My computer did not favor me or the work I was doing. So Jack was in my office a lot and I came to know him. He was just endearing. He was so endearing. And then I met his wife, Sarah, and I don't know if I have ever met someone and instantly thought this is probably the dearest person I have ever met in my life. But that is exactly what I thought and felt when I met Sarah. She has walked through some tragedy. She has walked through some triumph and is able to tenderly share about all of it. I know over the course of these next two episodes, because Sarah's story could not be compressed into one, you are going to be encouraged, inspired, bewildered, (laughs) so many words. I'm so grateful when I texted Sarah to ask her to be a guest on the Motherhood Experience podcast, we had a phone conversation. And in that she revealed to me that about 10 days prior to receiving my text, she had shared her story for the first time in a long time, not for the first time, but for the first time in a long time and felt like the Lord kind of prepared her that if an opportunity presented itself, she would be prepared to share. And I can't remember if it was seven or 10 days later, I texted her asking if she would be willing to be a guest on the motherhood experience podcast. So this is a timely story. I don't know who is going to hear it when, but I know when they do, at the time they hear it, it is going to bless their socks off. This is probably the longest introduction I've ever done for an episode. So I'll wrap up here shortly, but just say, buckle up, keep your tissues handy and enjoy this episode with this dear, dear woman, Sarah Rogness. Sarah, I would like to welcome you to the Motherhood Experience podcast. I have known you, I think, since 2009 when I started working at the bank. And I'm just thrilled to have you here sharing your story. Thank you for joining me. Absolutely. Happy to be here. So I would like to start every episode with you sharing your ages of kids and what stage of motherhood you're in. Absolutely. So we have three boys. Our oldest, Aaron, is 14. Our middle, Andrew, is 12. And our youngest, Luke, he is eight. And we are very much in that preteen, teenage parenting (laughs) stage and doing that alongside of one who isn't quite in that age bracket. And and all boys, very much boys. boys. All boys. So I mentioned that I've known you since about 2009 when I worked with your husband at the bank and you were married to Jack. And I would love to hear kind of how you and Jack met and your marriage and relationship came to be. Well, I met Jack when I was a junior in college. 
when I met him, he was very sick with a lung condition called primary pulmonary hypertension. And we met through a mutual friend who initially had asked me just to pray for her friend who was sick and did not seem hopeful that he was going to live. And so I started praying for him. And then through church, we ended up meeting and he had shared with me that either he was going to die or he needed a double lung transplant because of this lung condition that he had. So in October of 2004, he got a call that they had lungs for him down at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester. And he went down there to get a lung transplant. And it was in January of that year then that we started dating. We had been in touch through kind of the transplant journey, got to know each other, and he came back and we started dating in January. And we were married a year and a half later in July. And kind of from the beginning, he dealt with a lot of health things regarding transplant. And I knew when he initially had asked me to date him, I knew what a big deal that that was. And I knew that that would require, I wanted to make sure when he asked me and when I responded yes to him, I knew what I was saying yes to. And that was coming alongside of someone who was in delicate health. But as I prayed and sought the Lord, he clearly led in that direction. And so that's kind of how our relationship started. Yeah. And so it was, it was never an easy walk, but it was one that you knew you were to walk through and you and Jack ended up having a a great story. Lots of miracles happened. Yes. Uh, one of them being, well, I, I would like for you to share what did doctors tell him and you with regard to ever becoming parents? Yes. So we were married in July and in August, we went down to the Mayo Clinic for some appointments. Jack was really laboring in his breathing and was having a lot of concerns. And so we went down there initially for that. He was actually diagnosed at that point in August, a month after we were married with another lung disease. And at the same time, we had asked that question, is this condition that Jack had initially, this primary pulmonary hypertension, is that hereditary? Do we need to be concerned about that? If, if we have children and they said, well, actually the chances of you being able to conceive a child are very, very, very small. In fact, basically they told us that we would never be able to have children because of the medications that Jack was on, um, it caused sterility. And so they just said, you won't be able to have children. And so a month into our marriage, we were hit with the blow of now we're battling this new lung and lung disease, which actually is the number one killer of transplant patients, and you are not going to be able to have children. So as you and Jack, Jack processed through that, what what were you thinking? Were, did you immediately turn to, we're going to adopt? Was it kind of, maybe we shouldn't become parents? What was that like? So as we initially processed that, we were heartbroken. We both had such a desire to be parents. I have always dreamed about being a mom from the time I was a young, young little girl. That was my heart's desire is to be a mom. And so hearing that or receiving that news felt like such a blow and we were extremely discouraged. However, we know that we serve a God of impossible things. And so 
how we process that Val is we said, okay, if this is what we have been presented, that this is an impossibility, number one, we know that God can do impossible things, but maybe he has a different plan or a different trajectory for our life and our story. And so we actually started the process to adopt internationally from Ethiopia. And so we contacted a local adoption agency. We went through the home study process. We went through the hours of training and paperwork. And we're so excited about the potential to adopt. In fact, as we met with people from the town that my husband was from, I remember being asked this question and they said, why would you ever want to pursue adoption knowing that Jack's life could be cut short? <laughs> knowing the potential that he might you know, pass before you. And we said, the reason why we are doing this and the reason why we are so excited to do this is because as long as God has given us life and breath, we wanna live and we don't wanna die before we die. Does that make sense? We don't yes. want to cease living because of a potential that could happen. And so we made a decision together as a couple unified that we were going to live and we were going to live fully and we were going to take risks and we were going to just embrace what we felt God was calling us to and walk in obedience to him, regardless of our circumstances or situation. And so the Lord in his amazing wisdom the the month that our dossier went over to ethiopia we found out we were pregnant with aaron and so let's unpack that because what <laughs> you, you go from hearing like sorry jack everything that has happened to you it's it's not going to be possible you go from the devastation to excitement in adoption and now all of a sudden you are pregnant mm -hmm. with, with mm -hmm. Jack's miracle child. Yes. What was that like when you found out did, and did you, did you not realize or even consider that it was a pregnancy? You know, I, we decided from the very beginning of our marriage, actually to just entrust our fertility to the Lord. And so I, I think that the hope was always in my heart, the potential, could this happen? Um, but I remember finding out that I was pregnant. In fact, I had come home early from work and I was late. And so I had stopped at the store to pick up a pregnancy test and I took it and it was positive. And I just remember sitting there thinking, wow, God, I never even dreamed that this could be possible. And I remember thinking in those next moments, I wanted to do something very special you know, to, to tell Jack that we were going to be parents and no joke within minutes, he walked through the door because he would always come home for lunch. And so there was no big announcement. It was just <laughs> like, here it is. Like, this is, this is our situation and we're going to be parents. And we were just so thrilled. Um, at the same point, we had this big question mark of now we're in process for a child from Ethiopia and how will pregnancy affect our adoption and it did because we were pregnant um we were able to accept a referral of a beautiful baby boy three months old um, but because we were expecting they their policy was that we had to go on hold and wait until after baby was born our child was born and so that's what we did we accepted a referral of this beautiful baby boy and then we waited and then his story no, I, I keep keep going because there's a really beautiful thing that happened also with 
with the adoption placement, but I'm, I'm sure you're going to get there. Yes. Yes. So we um, ended up going on hold and this little boy that we had accepted the referral of just was in a very tough situation. And um, we continued to kind of fight for him, even though we had no legal right or custody to him because we had not yet been to court. We again felt like this is the little boy that has been put in our charge to advocate for. And so that's what we did. So even though we were on hold um, because of some of the legalities and logistics over in Ethiopia, we just continued to push to push for communication with our adoption agency um, and to really advocate for his case. They told us that he, after waiting many months, that he was now going to be unadoptable um, because there was, again, kind of a glitch in some paperwork. And again, we said, we serve a God of impossible things. And yes. they were trying to get us to accept another referral because this child, they said, was going to be unadoptable. We said, absolutely not. We were going to continue to pursue this child. And so we did. And as the Lord would have it, we found out that we were pregnant again um, with our son, Andrew. And I would say Andrew's pregnancy was not as much of a surprise because we had Aaron, although we were shocked again <laughs> um, that we were pregnant again. And the same question mark, you know, here we have this little boy that we're waiting for in Ethiopia and how will this all work? Um, how the story ended was that we received news that he, the paperwork that needed to be signed had been signed. We were able to go to court, but our travel dates would have been the week that I was going to have Andrew. And so we knew there was about a week or a 10 day time period there where we really wrestled and really struggled because the impossible had been made possible. We now were going to be able to travel. And now we were in this impossible situation of I'm nine months pregnant and my pregnancies were not easy. Um, with Aaron, I did 12 weeks of bed rest. And thankfully with Andrew, I didn't have that, but I was not released to travel, you know, mm -hmm. that pregnant. And Jack also was not able to travel. Mm -hmm. um, and so anyway, we felt like it was very much a moment of surrender and of saying, God, you've written this story. We don't understand it, but we ultimately need to lay this down. And so that's what we did. And some very dear and precious friends of ours who were also in process, the adoption process, were able to adopt him and bring him home to the U.S. And we are close with them. We've maintained relationship with them. And so even though this little boy was not a part of our family, he is a part of our larger family. Um, yes. and we still have an opportunity to pray for him and stay connected with his family. So right. that was just a beautiful, a beautiful thing that the Lord did. And to advocate for him that whole time leading up to his eventual placement with the family he's in right now, which are dear friends of yours, that blows yes. me away every time I yes. hear about it. God is so good. And so rewind a little bit and you have Aaron, this first miracle baby, what was it like parenting a newborn and Jack still going through health issues, but Jack also elated to be a dad? What was that like? It was the greatest joy of my heart. It was, 
Erin's, like I had mentioned previous, Erin's pregnancy was not easy. Um, I did have complications and ended up on pretty strict bed rest um, for 12 weeks. All the while, the flood in Fargo-Moorhead was happening. So I remember being on bed rest. People were fleeing town, so they brought over all of their furniture. So literally, I had a path to the bathroom. <laughs> and that's it. Because as people were leaving town, they said, you know, they lived in a first floor apartment. They said, can we bring furniture over? I said, yes. Anyway, um, it was just a tumultuous time. But he was born and it was, like I said, the greatest joy of my heart to behold him. He was the answer to our prayer. And he was he was our heart's desire. You know, it's something that we had longed to do was to be parents. And you know, having been told that we would never be able to have children and then to be able to hold this miracle baby, we were just blown away by that. We named him, Aaron Matthew is his name, and he was named after the donor family that Jack received his lungs from. Aaron Matthew was the donor. He passed away very, very unexpectedly from a brain aneurysm. And so we had an opportunity before we were married to meet this donor family, and they became very very dear and precious friends of ours. And as we heard the story of Aaron Matthew and his life, when we found out that we were having a, a baby boy, Jack said, I know that we have to name him, or I know what we need to name him. And he said, we need to name him Aaron Matthew after my donor. And so that's kind of the story and the legacy of his life. With Jack, right before Aaron was born, his health started to ramp up. Because of the medication that he was on, it caused a lot of secondary problems, um, diabetes and cataracts and other things. But one of the main and most difficult things that it caused was skin cancers. Because Jack was immune suppressed, we were having to kill off his immune system so that his body wouldn't attack his new lungs. Mm. Um, one of the results of that was that these skin cancers popped up and really Jack didn't have the ability to fight them off. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were in the dermatologist's office often having different cancers removed, um, skin cancers removed or precancerous lesions removed. And that's something that, like I said, ramped up right around Aaron's birth. It was, our boys are 20 months apart. And so it was about, Aaron was probably, Aaron was a year old when we found out that we were pregnant with Andrew. And we were in the dermatologist's office more and more and more frequently. And I was actually laboring with Andrew, um, had gone into labor with Andrew when we got the call that from our doctor that the skin cancers that had been removed and that were kind of plaguing Jack had moved into his lymph nodes. The cancer had moved into his lymph nodes. And so I was laboring with Andrew and we get this call that the cancer has now spread to lymph nodes and we're needing to make appointments to go down to Rochester, down to the Mayo Clinic for Jack to have surgery to remove the lymph nodes um, from his neck. That's where the cancer had spread. And so I remember Val laboring with Andrew and he was a couple of days late. And so I just remember feeling anxious and mm -hmm. afraid and scared because I knew I needed to have this baby, but yet I also needed to be in Rochester in two weeks with my husband to have surgery to remove mm -hmm. these lymph nodes from his neck. And so it was this pull and this tug of motherhood, like wanting to bring this child into the world safely 
but yet knowing that my husband needed me and knowing that I needed to be at a place physically where I could care for him as a caretaker. And so Andrew was born. We named his middle name Nehemiah, which means God will wipe away our tears. He was God's gift and provision to us in what we didn't know, but what became a very, very difficult season of trial and hardship. And so he was our joy bringer. He yes. took our tears away and he was such a bringer of joy as we then transitioned down to Rochester two weeks after his birth and started going through appointments and figuring out what Jack's treatment plan would be. He was by my side, he and Aaron, um, and they were God's gift and provision of joy for us in that season. Yeah. Yeah. So Jack was the favorite IT guy at the bank and not, not, that's not just me saying that he was the favorite. <laughs> And he was in my office a lot because uh, I was super technologically challenged, which is funny because my job today and for the last, you know, 10 years has been nothing but technology. So I remember him being in my office one morning trying to help fix my computer. It doesn't help that when you work in a bank, banks are about like 10 years behind in technology from the rest of the world. And we were just having a conversation about life and parenthood. And I just remember Jack was just such a humble, but proud of his boy's father. And it emulated in every conversation that we had with him. You know, it was never a burden for me when my computer was down and, and Jack was able to come and help because he would just talk the whole time he was, he was working on it and fixing it and was always such an encouragement, which was amazing because I remember praying like, Lord, how can I encourage Jack? You know, I knew he was, he would come to work sick. He would come to work, not feeling well. He would come to work exhausted and I would, how can I encourage Jack today? And it never seemed to work out that way because Jack was always the one encouraging me. <laughs> and I, I just remember those days with so much fondness. And when, when did things really, really turn and, and with no, you know, with no way back, when was that? Yeah. So Val, I would say that that would be right around when Andrew was born. I remember being in the dermatologist's office, asking his dermatologist, you know, is this, are these lesions, is this skin cancer, is this a kind that could spread? Do we need to be concerned about that? And they said, well, if it did spread, it would spread to the lymph nodes. And it was something, again, that we didn't really think would happen, but it did. And that's really when things ramped up. We knew mm -hmm. that we had gone from kind of a maintaining um, position health-wise to, okay, now this is, this is serious and this we're in fight mode. Yeah. Um, when Andrew was just a couple weeks old, we transitioned down, like I had said, to, to Rochester, to the Mayo Clinic, where we ended up living for a couple of months. Jack ended up having a neck dissection surgery where they removed the majority of the lymph nodes on one side of his neck and needed to do chemo and radiation. And as he was going through those treatments, we had his parents, Gary and Marlis, that helped move us down to Rochester. We had a house that we were going to be living in. 
And so they had driven us down and they never, they never left. In fact, they stayed on with us and lived with us for those weeks. There was no way that I could be mom to two little, little boys and caretaker to Jack on my own. And so they ended up staying with us and just being such an incredible source of support and help. I don't even remember as I think back on those days of appointments and back and forth, Jack ended up in the hospital. As soon as he started treatments, it just was so difficult for him physically mm -hmm. and emotionally. And so he ended up in the hospital several different times. And I don't even remember cooking a meal or doing laundry. I know that I did, but I don't even remember doing those things. And I think part of what helped in that season so much is that Gary and Marlis were available and made themselves available to just do whatever was needed, whether it was helping with Aaron so that I, Andrew and I could take Jack to his appointments or putting in a load of laundry or making a meal. It just was such, they were just such a source of support for us. Yeah. I think more so than the physical strain that Jack was under as we were in Rochester undergoing these appointments and when he was just fighting so hard for his life was just the emotional toll that it took and just processing all of the things you know here he's a new dad and Andrew is a brand new baby and Aaron is you know just he just loves his dad so much and wanting to play and wrestle and interact and Jack just did not have the energy or the strength to do that. And so that was so difficult for him yeah. and difficult for me too, to watch that grief and that pain for him. I can remember sitting in the van one night as Jack was so ill that he couldn't even answer yes or no questions. And I just had to, to leave the house. And so I didn't know where to go. So I went into my van and I just sat and just cried out to the Lord. And I said, I just can't do this anymore. I can't watch my husband die over and over again, because that's what it felt like, you know, as his health had really ramped up that he would have these episodes where he just was so, so, so ill. Mm -hmm. And every time I thought, this is it, like, this is it. He's not going to make it. Mm -hmm. And then he would rally. Yes. And I just remember calling out to the Lord and just saying, I can't, I cannot do this. And it was in those moments, Val, that the Lord met me in such significant ways. I didn't necessarily see it as it was happening. Honestly, it just right. felt like we were surviving every day. Right. But now having the perspective to look back, it was in those seasons that the Lord, our good shepherd carried and, and sustained us. You know, he led us like a shepherd does carried us much of the time in those seasons that were just so incredibly difficult. And um, I've often been asked, you know, how did you do that? You know, how mm -hmm. did you navigate being a brand new mom and recovering postpartum and caring for your husband? And I said, I don't know. God did. Yes. I don't know. Um, but he provided the strength that was needed each day. And so grateful for that. Yeah. So we are going to have a part two of your story. And when we, when we come back to that, we're going to talk about life as a single mother and uh, the miracles that took place even then and afterwards. So thank you everyone for tuning in this week for the first half of Sarah's story. And you can turn, tune in next week for part two. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Motherhood Experience Podcast. To join our exclusive TME community, head over to themotherhoodexperience.com forward slash learn more. 
be sure to follow The Motherhood Experience on Facebook or Instagram, and please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, leave us a comment below, and we'll catch you next time.